Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host this week, Matthew Kuhn, joined by my older brother, Michael Kuhn. I'm here. And not joined by our younger brother and usual host, Mark Kuhn. He is canoeing? He's in up in uh, the Northeast somewhere. I've, I've stopped asking questions about what he's doing. I'm just like, eh, all right, yeah. whatever, you'll be back. He doesn't talk to us about his personal plans. No, he doesn't. Like he's no so idea. weird. I have no idea who he's with. I have no idea where he is. I'm just sure. All right. Two-man pod today Two. brought to you by the new Barbasol Shave Club featuring the ultra-premium 6-plus razor, Barbasol, the brand trusted by men for nearly 100 years to deliver a close, comfortable shave. Visit Barbasol.com to join the Barbasol Shave Club today. Use discount code BROWNS, that's B-R-O-W-N-S, at checkout to receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. That's Barbasol.com. Use discount code BROWNS to save some money and get yourself a shave kit. I'm always such a dork. I've, I listen to ESPN Radio all day, yeah, and a yeah. lot of those shows are sponsored by Barbasol, uh-huh. and I feel so legit being like, <laughs> being like, I've gotten those reads from the same people. Yeah, we got the same one. And I'm I sure feel, they're getting paid more. I feel legit when I shave with my Barbasol razor. I used it this morning. I was like, man, this thing's smooth. It feels good. I feel good. It's going to be a good day. Yeah, you had to shave because you, you were on a business trip. I did. I had a real trip. I wasn't just sitting behind my computer in the comfort of my own home. It was it was legitimate. I had to go tell people how to put a golf tournament together. That's right. So we've got a couple topics we want to talk to or talk about this week. Um, first things first, got to do a Hard Knocks recap. Michael, what do you think about this Hard Knocks episode? I'm, I know it's late. I know I'm tired, but... I kind of walked away kind of wanting more. I don't, I, there, there wasn't a whole lot of meat on that bone. I don't know. I think it was just all of the narratives. We followed the Browns closely enough that we knew all of the things that they were going to hit. You knew they were going to cover the little scuffle in camp, both between Jarvis Landry and Terrence Mitchell, and also between the two coaches, which like was that a real stretch. Team. It was a real stretch. Like We knew it was coming because it was a news thing, but like you could even hear the audio. They had to put the like the words on the screen so that you even knew what they said. And it was written about all week like like they were in each other's face. Yeah, it was not a big deal at all. And so I just feel like all the storylines were already known. That was like Greg Williams being friendly to somebody. Yeah. And the Josh Gordon piece is probably the one thing I really wanted to see because I knew it fell within the time frame for this episode. And they almost just teased it. I mean, they had some video of him, obviously, like arriving and then in the facility. But it was more like they're saving it for next week. So... There just wasn't a ton. Obviously, we got introduced to Bob Wiley, which is a huge win for everyone in humanity. I was waiting when that was going to happen because he's such an interesting character. Well, and Joe Thomas has been like pounding the pavement for Bob Wiley to get screen time on Hard Knocks. From the very beginning when it was announced the Browns were getting Hard Knocks, that was the one person he said that he was excited for the world to see is (laughs) Bob Wiley. And now we have an better understanding of why what a goober <laughs> like and the fact that he drives a white maserati that he can barely get out of like in and out of is a struggle every like, single time it sounds like every step he t- it looks like every step he it's takes is a struggle yeah. oh man he should feel sorry for the he man. should just get one of those like motorized like wheelchair scooter things yeah and just scoot around the 
his whole diatribe about stretching was pretty priceless. <laughs> Talking about the troops at Normandy. Do you think that they like were worried about using worried their about stretch st- bands? About stretching. Where's my rubber band? I gotta, <laughs> gotta stretch out before I run across the beach. Yeah, so if you didn't if you didn't catch the episode and you're you're listening to this podcast first, um, the the episode of Hard Knocks opened kind of teasing the fight between Jarvis Landry and Terrence Mitchell. And then they spent about, I would almost say like 10 minutes. It, it felt it was forever. They drug it that out They drug it out. And they showed it from like 15 different angles and like the, the, the wide lens where you can't really hear anything. Um, what, what else did they do? They, they profiled Kajust a, so, a little more during the game. They, they talked to, followed Broby. They, they set his, us up for Brogan and Nate Orchard being cut, or at least one of them being cut. I mean, between Kajust and Brogan Roback they'll get, they'll get and Nate Orchard, they're going to have multiple cuts from that group, if yeah. not all three. Yeah. And so maybe, they're maybe two practice squad guys diving in back. deep on those guys. So here's here's one like actual takeaway, like insight that I took away, which wasn't necessarily commentary on the episode and the content that we received necessarily this week. But I've been listening to everybody's feedback on Hard Knocks. I listen to all these other Browns podcasts, and I listen to more like national NFL media, which the Browns specific podcasts are always like so excited to see all the stuff, just like we are, right? The inside, we just have fun like seeing inside it. And then, like, I listened to the Lombardi uh, GM Street podcast on The Ringer. Right. And he's, like, always just ripping the Browns, saying everything that we're doing is the worst, no matter what's going on. He's just bitter. He's bitter. He's. I don't know if he's just bitter or if he's just a negative person in general. Like, I think he gets along with Belichick because they're both just, like, really ornery people that, like... Just grumpy. That complain about things rather than celebrate things. Like, that's just kind of how they are. Um, so it's a combination of those two things, but all they've been releasing a hard knocks podcast the day after, just like we are, they record it like Wednesday morning and he has been ripping the Browns and the organization for like how things are being run. There have been some insights though, that I appreciate. And one of the things that I've heard Lombardi say in his observation is that Hugh Jackson talks too much and doesn't actually put things into action. His job as the head coach is to prepare the team to do things like not have penalties. There are things that the head coach has the ability to control, and just telling the team we can't do that isn't good enough. Part of the head coach's job is to set up structures in place during practice and build that that into the culture of the team and it's not enough to just like get in front of them and complain and we we're only seeing them get in front of it and complain who knows what they're actually doing in practice but the nugget that i took from this episode was the one line that todd haley said at the end of the game he kind of said it under his breath he said that's the way that we practice so that's what we deserve and it was in response to that penalty that basically lost us the Bills game, which not that the preseason game matters, but the insight from a Todd Haley who came from a winning franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers indicating that the way the Browns are practicing 
is setting us up for penalties and is not setting us up for discipline is insightful. And it, it makes sense from what we've seen from a Hugh Jackson coach team over the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. So that is like the only like really insightful thing I felt like I got. And I was teed up for it from the Lombardi stuff. Cause that's kind of what he's been harping on this whole time. And that fed right into it. Yeah. Todd Haley's perspective I, I think is is always in in that room the contrarian like yeah. like he's he's the one who's always been like why are we doing this you know um, and given his given his resume it's it's hard not to think maybe he's right yeah <laughs> and and maybe there there's some stuff going on that um, shouldn't be I am super interested I would love to know the circumstances by which Todd Haley was hired. Who hired Todd Haley? Was this a Hugh Jackson decision? I don't get the impression it was entirely a Hugh Jackson decision. But was it a John Dorsey decision? Was it a Jimmy Haslam decision? Like, certainly where Haley, did this come from? Certainly Haley had other options. Is he just that bitter that he wants to play Pittsburgh twice a year? And There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions I wouldn't I have put about it past it. him. Yeah. But, I, but I feel like he would have other options. Yeah. So why come to Cleveland to work under a head coach that you don't like vibe with? That like I'm kind of of the perspective that there's there's 32 of these jobs. So you kind of take whichever one and you make of it. You make of it what there is, but not under a head coach that you don't like buy into. That sounds awful. Right, I know. And I I don't think that he's like aggressively like anti-Hugh Jackson in any way. But I think fundamentally he is not on the same page with Hugh Jackson. Yeah. And so it does make me wonder if there was a little wink-wink situation going on with John Dorsey whenever he brought him in. He's like, there could be plenty of opportunities for you here, buddy boy. Did They never overlapped in Kansas City, did they? Um, I don't think they did. No, I don't think so. I think Haley was gone before Dorsey came in. Yeah. Um, No, it could be interesting. And, you know... I appreciate Haley's perspective and I mean his record of developing young players on offense and and using the weapons that he's got is unparalleled. It it makes me wonder though cuz John Dorsey's been all about bringing Des Bryant in for a visit. And we we saw that on Hard Knocks. I don't know how a guy like Des fits into a a Todd Haley offense. We if you look at his Pittsburgh offenses, you don't really see that kind of player, or at least that kind of player at this point in his career with what Des Bryant brings to the table. Like a, a limited – a wide receiver who's limited physically but has kind of done it before, maybe not the best route runner, just a competitor. I don't know. I, Lord, I hope we don't sign Des Bryant. We've said it enough on here. I do not want that to happen. That whole thing was weird. Yeah, and he no. was like, he was like in the locker room, like saying that hey, was another guys. thing that like, we didn't mention that was like a key focus on Hard Knocks. They had the whole Des Bryant segment. Like, and, does every player who comes and visits like walk through the locker room and say hi to all like players? And then well, he wasn't even like meeting them. He was saying hi. It's a pleasure yeah. for you to meet me. Is what it felt like. <laughs> That's what it felt like. 
you know what I mean? He was like, he was like saying, like, I know you know who I am. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's like, it's like if Justin Timberlake walks in a room, yeah. like what he would do. It'd be great if he was like signing autographs, that like unsolicited autographs. Like he would just like take people's shit and sign it, and, and hand it back to him. And he had that meeting. You know, he was sitting down at this, across the table from Hugh Jackson, and he had headphones around his neck the whole time. He he just looked seemed like an idiot. Like he really like wasn't presenting himself in like. I want to come here. He was just kind of like, this is different than anything I've ever had before. I've never had this kind of conversation with a coach before. And like, there which, wasn't... Which I get. I mean, he's, he's... How many head coaches has he had? One. Has it been Jason Garrett the whole time? Maybe Wade Phillips. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's probably a different culture. Sure. For, for good or bad. But... I don't, I, I don't really understand. I How didn't you, get the intensity from, like, like. do you want to come and play here? Like, it just didn't, it just kind of seemed so casual. What What was so interesting to me is Hugh, Hugh seemed to be putting on the, the cell. Like, and you would think the roles would be reversed, given Dez's situation. I mean, he doesn't have people exactly knocking down his door, and we don't really need him. Or is Hugh trying to like cast the vision and see if De- how excited Dez is and is Dez there and is Dez gonna meet him there? And right. I didn't get the impression that he was. Yeah, like that was the way I read it. I read it like he was like, "Here's where we're going. I can see you being a part of this, and I want to. I want to see you latch onto this train that's going. Yeah. We've left the station, and you you can join it, but." I got to see it from you. And I did, and just kind of getting the impression that it didn't jump out, jump out. How confident do you have to be in yourself to show up to a, what is essentially a job interview in a sleeveless shirt and like headphones around your neck the whole time? I don't know if that's the right question. Like, how much of an idiot do you have to be Maybe. to do that? Like, I what what is the appropriate attire <laughs> for for like an, an NFL veteran visit? Because, I mean, it's certainly not a suit and tie. Right. It's not like but, what but you I and I would wear to an interview. I mean, look but at what John Dorsey was wearing when he met Baker to sign the contract. It was, it was like flip-flops and his, like, dopey sweater. Yeah, but you can look put together. What do you wear, like, just jeans and a shirt? Yeah, wear a button-down and, like, you know, something like what you'd wear out to dinner. Yeah. Maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe even, like, a nice T-shirt. Yeah. But at least... But what you'd sleeves. wear out to, like, a nice... Steak restaurant, you know what I mean? And that's going to be different for everybody, like what that is, but you're not going to wear a sleeveless t-shirt. And He did look like he was like ready to work out. Maybe that's like the vibe he was going for, showing up ready to go. He, he gave off the like, I'm lazy vibe to me. I, I do love, and I think a lot of myself. That was the vibe that I got. I do want to know who the guy who met him in the airport with the Browns helmet was. Is he is he really just hedging his bets, hoping to get the first Des Bryant signature? Because like, what would Des Bryant have to do where that signature's worth a damn? Yeah, I don't know. Like we'd have to go win the Super Bowl, right? He'd have to like catch the game winning touchdown pass to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so that was weird. Followed Brogan Roback and his his girlfriend for a while. Followed Nate Orchard and his struggles to make the team. Um, 
Carl Nassib went back and forth with Todd Haley for a while about having old man names. Uh, but other than that, there just wasn't much to this episode. And maybe this is just like the dog days of training camp. Um, there's, there's not a whole lot going on. We have had a ton of storylines thus far with Corey Coleman being traded, Antonio Callaway's oh, yeah. incident. Um, we're just getting into Josh Gordon now that he's back. The most interesting thing about this episode to me, though, was the timing of Josh Gordon's return. Yeah. That it was before the Bills game, which yeah. was two or three days before he, he posted yeah. um, his it was, yeah. Twitter it, that he was back. It was Thursday, and then he was everything got posted on Saturday, yeah. basically. That was kind of like he's back. I thought it was maybe creative editing, but then mm-hmm. you saw the conversation between Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley on the field. Yep. Talking about the, the eagle has landed. And yeah. Haley asked, Haley's so skeptical. <laughs> has he been working out? Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like Todd Haley just won't let himself get his hopes up. Like, he's, he's such a, like, pragmatist. That's fair. That he's just not going to let himself go there. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Josh Gordon is a freaking just monster. Watching like, him run across the field like a Watching gazelle. him walk through the airport in sweatpants. Like, you're just like, dude is built. It's ridiculous. So that'll be interesting going into next week. Yep. That's that's going to keep me coming back. I think that's going to that be... Not that I wasn't going to watch. That's going to be one of the main storylines, if not the, the rest main storyline. For I mean, there's only two more episodes, I think, so... Yeah, so it's got to be. Um, yeah. And then week five will be cuts, probably. Um so the remainder of the episode really covered the Bills game. This game, week two of the preseason, it kind of loses its luster from the first game, and you, you kind of get into it and realize that it's still a preseason game. What, if any, were your biggest takeaways coming out of that Bills game? Um, biggest thing, I'll say offense and defense, I take away from each. Um, I was super encouraged by Austin Corbett on the offensive line. Looked leaps and bounds better than he did in the first game, which I think is probably just evidence of the fact that he's been in that actual spot for a period of time and has had some continuous reps with that same unit with the same guys on either side of him instead of bouncing around playing tackle and guard and all sorts of other stuff. He's played left guard now for twice as long as he had yeah. before the <laughs> before yeah. the last. I mean, game. seriously, the guy played left tackle pretty much his entire time in college, right. and now he's playing guard, which everyone projects him to be a good guard. But we saw that, like but it's he still was a learning curve. He was the lead blocker on a lot of those huge runs and looked really good. So that was a huge, huge, huge piece um, to the. That's going to be huge to the success of our offense going forward. So I was encouraged by that. Um, and then on defense, I mean, it's there's not much to complain about with that first team defense. Four straight three and outs, and I was like salivating watching Miles Garrett come off the edge. Our defense, our first team defense, looks yeah. good. We've also played a couple teams, like we played Terrible. the Giants without like their top players. Like Odell was not on the field, so it was like. You know, second team almost like playmakers on the Giants. But still, they're and then they're the do- Bills are not good. But they're dominating, and like they they can only play against the people who are out on the field. 
Yeah. And if the we're playing the Bills, I want my first team defense dominating the Bills. Yeah, it would have been fun if Josh Gordon, if Josh Allen had started that game. I would have loved to see what would have happened. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that guy's. He the, the he, he's 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 doing fine. Yeah. But the fact that like for some reason Bills fans are like, nope, it's got to be Josh Allen. He's I, ready to go now. I don't know what the right answer is. There's not a good solution there in Buffalo. Trade for Teddy Bridgewater. That would be better than the current options that are in front of them oh. with who they have in camp. Um, it's like I anyone covering the team seems to be saying that Josh Allen seems to be the least bad option. Like, Which is saying something because – you know you're off anytime you have a rookie quarterback, you're also like your evaluation is tainted by your like optimistic projection. Right? Like I feel like anytime these rookie quarterbacks win the quarterback the the job, they're yep. not actually better, but you're like saying, Oh, you're you're not as bad as we thought and you have so much more potential. So yep. you're gonna win the job, whatever that yep. means. Another hmm. Yeah, Josh Allen. But he threw that touchdown pass. It was nice. He, like, stepped up in the pocket, moved around, and fired that pass by the goal line. Like, I was actually – I was expecting him to look a little more lost than he actually did. Like, I thought he did fairly well. He didn't, like, do anything crazy, but he also didn't make any, like, really poor decisions either, which is kind of what True. I expected. True. He missed some missed some throws. Honestly, if it was somebody other than Nate Orchard – coming after him it, it might have been a different story yeah the dude the dude just doesn't have the awareness he like gets out gets out in front of his like center of gravity and can't change direction i have no idea what his problem is he's he's not going to be long for the cleveland I Browns. Don't, i don't think so either especially with how good avery was so that's that's my, who i just wanted to bring my, up my um that's my like defensive like Stand high out. point that 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 dude can Freaking play. Pete Smith, you're totally right. We've got some linebackers. So that's Gennard five Avery. linebackers that I that I'm really excited about seeing on the field at any given time. And Avery Les Burgess, who is fine. And Avery seems like they're gonna use him in a situational like pass rushing role. Yeah. Like which is what we really feel like we need is that situational pass rusher coming off the edge. He's the small, really strong guy. I saw somebody writing today. I think it might have been the guy from the Browns. What's his name? The bald guy, Nathan Zagura, saying that he's built like Jerome Harrison. Yeah. Which he is. Like, he's built just like that. He's like the smaller, really squatty, really strong pass rusher. There's the guy. Um, he kind of reminds me of like Elm. Elvis Duverville. That's who I was trying to come up with. Or, Elvis Duverville, those type of players. And so what's going to be interesting or, to me is right now it seems like he relies on his effort and his like strength and his speed right now, which right. those are good fundamentals. But I, I'm pretty sure once the tape goes on, gonna people are going to be able to – he's going to have to develop some moves because you can't just like – beat guys around the edge in the NFL. Like the athletes are good enough that like that's not gonna be enough. He's playing against mostly second team right now and he's jumping off the screen and it looks great. But he was getting first team reps too, let's be clear. Like in pass rush situations, they oh, had yeah. him in there with the first team this last week. And he 
in the situations where I saw he was competent in coverage. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, they had like, him doing all like kinds of shield, things. Shielding the slot receiver, funneling him to to the, the deeper depth. Um, I'm excited about Jannard Avery. That dude, that dude's sweet. I'm so excited to finally have like linebacking depth. Well, okay, but how funny is it? I'm, I'm, how important are linebackers though in today's NFL? It's hilarious. Like it's definitely our strongest position group, but it's probably the least important position True. group on the defense. True, but we've maybe but, on the so, both sides of the ball. But you need good linebackers. You just don't necessarily need five. And yeah. we have five. Yeah. Um, and so that's fine. Maybe we'll trade. Maybe we'll trade somebody. I don't, I don't, I'm of the belief, out. and I went back and forth with Jake Burns on Twitter about this this past week. I was like, why would we just get rid of depth? Like, why should we just trade away Jamie Collins? Like, we're not going to get anything back from him because his contract's so big. So why don't we just keep the depth and kind of enjoy it? Because Lord knows... Anybody could get hurt. Well, we're gonna have the depth. Linebackers aren't a bad thing to have either for they play special, special teams. teams. Yeah. Like you've got Burgess, you've got Avery, you've got Schobert can play special teams. Yeah, but if we keep um, Burgess, that's six linebackers. It's not crazy. There's no way they're do they're not they're doing anything with Avery. Which by the way, I read Jeff Risden's article today on Brownswire, the USA Today guy projecting the 53-man roster. Yeah. And he, like, talked about Jannard Avery like he was a potential cut. Like, he might make the team, he might not. And I was like, you've got to be smoking something. Wasn't he a There's fifth-round no, pick? He's a fifth-round pick. But still, like, the way he's playing and that he's getting first-team reps, and yeah. there's no, absolutely no doubt in my mind that he's making the team. I don't even know why you would write that. Yeah. No, that makes no sense. But he was talking like James Burgess was more safe than Jannard Avery. I don't think there's any way that that's true. Yeah. I don't think there's any way that that's true. Avery just brings more to the table. So. Yeah. And he's younger. So why not? Um, My takeaway on offense was our running game. The the starting offensive line looked like, and maybe it's the defensive line we were going against, the defensive scheme. I I don't know. We looked like we had fixed some of the issues we had from the week before against the Giants. Um, We actually, Carlos Hyde, Got some, broke off some runs, got some traction going. Um, that no, was a huge good. concern coming out of week one, and yeah, we made it, a we made a, a pretty substantial improvement. Nick Chubb looked looked better because he oh, actually got a chance. Yeah. I don't think week one was a a Nick Chubb problem. It was more of the opportunities that presented themselves. But yeah. that's encouraging to see um, us. Fixing areas that were concerns the week before. Yeah, it was kind of like they had the offense opened up and we were passing a bunch in game one. And then last week it was like, okay, clearly we need to spend some time and gain some confidence in our abilities in the running game. And that was even shown in hard knocks. Yeah, like who, it, who was it who said that uh, right before the game? That was started? Greg Williams. Greg Williams said, uh, uh, I heard Todd said he's going to like run the ball. Run the F out of the ball. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly Every, what Yeah. Of course, Every, it came from Greg Williams, so of course the, that was an included. adjective added. <laughs> um, the speaking of offensive line play being good, Desmond Harrison had some really nice plays in that game, and has been getting some second team reps at left tackle ahead of the likes of Sean Coleman, and so that's going to well, be well. Sean Coleman's playing right tackle exclusively. Um, I thought. Well, 
Maybe okay, so maybe I should say he's getting left tackle reps instead of Greg Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. Um, Which so that one's going to be interesting to me to see how they the how the backup offensive linemen shake out. We actually have a lot of bodies there, and some some names that we're familiar with are probably going to get dropped. I think they're. And I don't know who it's going to be. I think they're just going to keep. I mean, consistent with. The front office mindset consistent with what they've said about moving Batonio to left tackle. I think they're just going to keep the best nine bodies that they have, like pretty much regardless of position. My question is, the three guys that are question marks to me are, or four. It's like, who is more valuable between Desmond Harrison, Greg Robinson, Spencer Durango, and Sean Coleman. I think that Austin Reader's going to stay on the team because he's a backup center center and he can play guard. Like, I think he's going to make the team. So in that case, I think you keep, I think you keep Coleman because he can play either, either tackle. So there's your swing tackle. In a poor manner. Like, well, I I just think it's, it's not a sure thing that he's the one that gets kept, but I would keep Coleman. Like, I don't want Greg Robinson doing it. So, I would keep Coleman to, to be the swing tackle. I would keep Ryder. I would keep Drango. And I would keep Desmond Harrison. So who are you getting rid of? You just Greg said Robinson. Oh, you're getting rid of Get Greg rid of Robinson. Greg Robinson. Get rid of Fabiano. Get rid of... See, but Greg Robinson, I think you can play at tackle or guard. And he's like... But he's been okay. So I mean, he, he really hasn't. I don't played, want him as a, my starter, but I don't mind him as really like a sixth offensive lineman. He really hasn't played guard in the NFL. The he, Rams moved him to guard for like a week, and then there was an injury, so they moved him to right tackle. And he hasn't been able to stick around on any roster. He 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 played well enough in Detroit to get consideration from the Browns yeah. who, this year. But I mean, he's looked terrible. Yeah, in in games, we have no indication that he's looked any better in practice. I just don't think he's going to make the team. He's he's got so little upside at this point. Like we we pretty much know what he's going to be. Yeah. This is his fifth or sixth year in no, the league. I don't want us to risk losing Desmond Harrison either. Not at all. I think there's too much physical talent there, and like he's hardly been even in training camp. He was out for the whole first week at least of camp, and he's like come in and shown that he belongs yeah. on the football field. I don't know. If, if something would happen to Batonio, we have probably five players on the rest of that, four players on the rest of that offensive line who could play left tackle to, to some varying degree. Like, like not well, but I mean... I mean Robinson, I'm, Coleman, I'm saying Durango. I'm saying probably better, as good or better than Robinson. I, I think Robinson's garbage. I don't think highly of him either. I just, <sighs> but like we, we don't need people who who but, have experience playing left tackle. Okay, we need but, good offensive. Okay, linemen. but uh, no. Here's here's my argument though. I think that the question is between Coleman and Robinson. Which one's more garbage? And I'm not so sure that it's Robinson. I think it might be Coleman. Maybe that's but that. Coleman, I, Coleman's played a, a a decent right tackle for. He Two wasn't. Years. He wasn't a decent. I mean, he was a below average right tackle for last year, and he only right. played it last year. So I just 
I mean, I'm not going to lose sleep if we if we. No, lose but I think that's the decision. Like that's where I'm at. I think that Durango stays, and because he can play the different, he has the positional versatility. He can play four positions on right. the line. Right. Right. Yep. And I think that the decisions between Coleman or Robinson, who goes, and I agree with you. I don't think that it really matters that much either way. But going into camp, Sean Coleman was our starting left tackle. No, I'm, and now a, we're talking about him not swing. making the team. Yeah, what a swing. Like, um, that's significant. Yeah, and that's fair. Speaking of swings, did you see that article this week about, I think it was on ESPN, that the Browns are getting a ton of action in Vegas with every, everybody taking the over? I think there was a quote from somebody who runs a sports book saying that the Browns are their only – current liability all the yes. other lines they've got they've got a good balance on but everybody's betting over on the browns and a bunch of people are um placing bets for the browns to win, win the, the division Super Bowl. no win, the, win division, the division yeah. is what i heard yeah the guy from caesar a guy from caesar's palace that manages the sports book said there are more bets on the browns to win the afc north than the other three teams combined so why is that i mean obviously Obviously, the odds are favorable. And, and like then in the AFC, in the oh, conference, 16. only the Raiders and Steelers have more bets to win the whole conference. That's wild. So, yeah, I, you're right. I the odds thought. are significant. I have a thought. I think just drafting Baker Mayfield, you're, you're being talked about at the top of the draft. All the coverage is about you. But I think also hard knocks. It's all hard knocks. Because people see it and they get excited. And oh, yeah. people are stupid. Yep. And they they can't put in context what they're seeing isn't reality, and there's no – you have nothing to compare it to. Like, you see the guys in training camp, and you're like, wow, they're impressive. Yeah. But you have no idea what yeah. other NFL training camps are looking like no this barometer. year. Um, and so unless you're going to go off preseason game results, I, I kind of wish I'd put a bet on the Browns back before the draft when the, the when the odds, odds were really good the odds were really good at the end of last season i think it was like 400 to 1 for the browns to win the super bowl and now it's like 75 to 1 or something like yeah. that yeah that would have been great we should have done that too late now we should we should make a habit of placing browns bets after week 17 <laughs> for the next year in in our depression just the really big futures futures yeah. place yeah, I'm, oh. it is. Exci- I will say this: ha- the hard knocks effect, having like Baker and like different storylines that are in the news, even outside of hard knocks, has been fun. Yeah. Like to listen to national NFL coverage and for the Browns to like consistently be in the conversation, it's fun to be relevant. No, it is fun. It's like also, instead of in not just a laughing stock manner, like yeah. that's not the way it is. It's like an actual buzz, like hype. There's exciting things going on in Cleveland type conversation rather than, oh, look what the Browns did again, which is what I feel like I've been so accustomed to over the last decade. Plus. We've all been accustomed to it. And, and to some degree it's been warranted, but some degree it's been lazy. Like it, it's often just the default stereotype. Um, it's yes. also fun to see to see your future starting quarterback in an underwear ad. <laughs> I think we're the we're the only team in the AFC North that has a quarterback who would do who would do an underwear endorsement. 
Can you imagine Roethlisberger hmm. <laughs> standing there next to like a tiger <laughs> with his with his hair? Gr- I'm picturing like long-haired Roethlisberger back in like uh, what was that 2010 when he had that long hair? Oh, that that would be funny. I mean, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, just like the fur. Like you know, Joe Flacco's a hairy dude. Yeah. He's, he's got he's hair got a everywhere. Carpet, yeah. Carpet all across the chest. It'd be chest. bad with like a gold chain, like just like kind of like embedded in the chest hair. And the, the red Andy Dalton chest yep, hair. Yep. <laughs> just red, just bright red. It's like him and the tiger, and you can't and tell. It's like who's blinding because yeah. he's so, so pale. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Dalton's the one I really would like to see. It'd be amazing. <laughs> Especially with that freaking tiger. What's the deal with the tiger? Um,. I don't know, but that, that was just... in the Behind Baker thing. When in one of the Behind Baker episodes, he visited the underwear place, and like the tiger was there, and they did this whole shoot. Yeah, like, that's right. literally so that months back... ago. Like it was like three months ago, four probably that they did. Oh, because that's this. when he did the push-ups. Yes. No, that was for the when he did I think the push-ups. It was for this. No, because they showed oh, no, him the it was the cover of the ESPN yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but I do remember the underwear. The underwear where, thing. Where he, he went and like, visited like their little studio and where they had the stuff, and they were just talking about what you know type of deal they'd put together. This, this was put together a long yeah. time ago. Here's what I don't understand about it. I I get like the bravado of it all. You're you're gonna stand in front of this fancy car, like showing off your underwear, or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's gonna be a tiger here. Mm-hmm. It's a print ad. Why wouldn't you Photoshop out like the the cable that's like restraining the tiger? You oh, can really? you can see it like it's there. Like Photoshop, like find any like twelve year old to like Photoshop it out so it looks a I little catch a little harder than like oh nope tigers on a chain so it's fine. Um, what I thought was funny about this whole thing is how much like flack everyone was giving Baker Mayfield for, like, the underwear ad. I was hearing things like, you should be focusing on the playbook and, like, winning the starting job and not, which, like, which putting out, like, underwear ads. if he did this, like, pre-draft. Oh, right? yes, exactly. There was... <laughs> people, exactly. People are so dumb. They, yeah. they think that, like, everything is immediate. Like, he's going out on a, like, Tuesday night to go take these pictures. And it's like, I have no idea what the terms of this arrangement are. But certainly Baker Mayfield is profiting handsomely from this endorsement deal. And you can't tell me that if you were in his same shoes and you had the opportunity to endorse products that you wouldn't take the nope. free money that's being handed to you to literally like have your likeness put on an ad. Like you wear underwear. I wear underwear. I might as well wear oh. this particular underwear if you're going to pay me to do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll sign up for that. Thank you very much. Yes, please. Yeah. It's, it's like people telling us we shouldn't have a, a sponsor on our podcast because we should be, like, studying the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's right. Like, sorry, sorry Barbersaw. Can't, can't do it this week. Got to go. So it just cracks me up. And I will say, I legitimately want a pair of these underwear. Like, I would love to have a pair. It works. And, like, the days when I'm, like, gearing up in my Browns gear and putting on my Browns t-shirt, I'm wearing my Browns underwear, too. And I got Baker's number right on my crotch. So the interesting the interesting thing about this underwear company is it's that one that was started by the NBA players. Like, Kyrie Irving owns, like, a large stake in this underwear company. Huh. So I wonder... 
I wonder how much flack he's getting in Cleveland for that. I don't know. I mean, but so I really do want a pair. When I saw that they were like giving away five hundred, I immediately went to go register, and I was too late. Oh, I didn't get it. I didn't get in. I was a. I was a few hours. You're after You're telling me there's posted. more than five hundred Browns fans? Oh yeah. Well, at least Baker Mayfield fans. There you go. There they you had go. an Oklahoma Sooners colored one too. I noticed. That'll that'll go. I'm surprised Browns fans wear that much underwear. They seem seem kind of like the I, the I, grungy, no underwear type. I think it's a it's a twenty five dollar pair of underwear. That's not the most expensive underwear I've seen around. I don't know if I own a pair of shorts that cost more than that. It'd be kind of weird to wear underwear that's more expensive than the shorts that you have on top of them. <laughs> it depends on how you view it. Maybe the shorts are protecting the underwear from the outside elements. Um, you know, you just got to flip your mind around. I mean, and you know, the underwear is the actual part that actually physically touches your body. Yeah, like, maybe, if you if you care we, about yourself, maybe you should value the underwear more than the We've thought about shorts. this the wrong way this whole time. <laughs> we should really be spending more money on our it's, undergarments. It's the inside yeah, out, yeah, exactly. that's what's important. It's it's like what your grandma always told you. Like, it's the inside that matters. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's oh, hilarious. Man. Um, so I'm Let's, all f- I'm all for Baker Baker getting his getting his underwear ads. Can we transition from talking about underwear to talking about Barbasol and their shaving cream? Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna be in an underwear ad, you you better you gotta better shave, shave up, up a little up, bit, right? not just on your face. You gotta groom everywhere, and you could groom everywhere with the new Barbasol Shave Club, featuring the premium Ultra Six Plus razor. Thank you can choose from three different subscription frequencies, which is great. Because if you don't shave that often, kind of like me, I kind of go every couple of days, you can sign up and have it come every few months. If you want it to come more frequently, you can have it come more frequently. Barbasol gives you those options. D- depending on how many underwear ads you, you have to like prep for. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just one time. Exactly. Maybe it's uh, kind of a weekly thing. And if the underwear sponsorship goes, you can cancel the Barbasol Shave Club anytime. It does, there's no penalties, no fees. You're not signing up for a long period of time. You, If you don't like it, you can cancel it. So there's really no reason not to try it out, particularly because we give you a discount. When you go to Barbasol.com, type in the offer code BROWNS, B-R-O-W-N-S, at checkout, and receive $2 off of your first order. So head to Barbasol.com and order today. That's great. Anything else we've got to talk about this week on the pod? The only thing, the only thing I can think of that we mentioned was everybody getting all their panties, for lack of a better term, in a wad because Baker's not getting first team reps. Yes. This what, thing. What happened? Like people are so dumb. We knew what was happening this season. That Ty, we traded yeah. for Tyrod. We gave a third round pick for Tyrod Taylor. He went to the playoffs last year. He's gonna start, and now everybody like saw a new shiny toy and just forgot everything that we'd learned over the off season. Yeah. Um, I do. I will say that it is the Cleveland Browns and it is Hugh Jackson. So when Hugh says that something's going to happen, like I don't always accept that as gospel. Um, Typically he'll go back on the things that he actually said it was going to happen. So this is a rare case where he's actually followed through. So I, I don't know if I can, you know, point back to what Hugh said is what's actually happening. Why are we surprised? Because I am kind of surprised that it's actually happening. But 
I want Tyrod to start, and I want Baker to get a chance to sit back and digest everything. And we've seen this happen with other teams, like all over the place. Like it doesn't seem like that abnormal of a thing. Especially and when you've got a guy like Tyrod. Like most teams who are drafting quarterbacks at the top of the draft don't have the luxury of having a quarterback on their roster who just took a team to the playoffs. Like like that's you're not drafting at the top of the draft if you have a quarterback who went to the playoffs. And most yeah. teams aren't getting rid of quarterbacks who took them to the playoffs. Right. And what would we be doing by give what if we did let Baker take some first team reps, it would just cause this media firestorm. Like honestly, I think this is the best solution too. Yeah. Like I really think it's handling it the right way. And when because if Baker is playing well, everyone knows that he's playing well. And it is not a sh- I mean, if he was getting first team reps, then it would just be constant questions about who should it be, who should it be, who should it be. And the Browns clearly made a strategic decision that it's going to be Tyrod to start the season. And if that is the way that you want to go and you think is best for the organization as a whole and also for Baker's growth and progress as a quarterback, you can't tease everybody with him. Because if Baker's in there and suddenly looks a little bit better than Tyrod one day, everybody's going to be pushing for it so hard and there's going to be no way around it. But this way, they've set it up so that it's Tyrod and if things go south, then Baker can go in there. And it's also Baker's learning. And when he's running with the second team offense, he's going against the first team defense. So, like, he's, it's got to be a better situation to learn and grow anyway. What, what's he have to gain by playing with the first team offense? Well, you can see it both ways. I mean, you see it both ways. Like, it's, you're fighting uphill. And so it's a better, like, chance. It's like playing against your big brother in, like, basketball yeah. or something. And, it like, didn't you work know. for me, but <laughs> maybe it'll work for Baker. I mean, it's that sort of thing. You get better by playing somebody that's better than you. That's how you improve. I can yeah. see that argument. But you also there's the also the argument you're playing behind a second team offensive line and you're not getting the like true opportunity yeah. or in second team good luck playmakers like you don't have the true opportunity to you know people are talking about not having chemistry with the wide receivers and things like that whenever he comes in. I mean, it's not like he's never throwing to these guys. So I don't know how much validity there is to that. It's not something that I'm concerned about. I think particularly Baker- with Baker Mayfield. I think Baker is going to be the last of the first-round pick quarterbacks to see the field. He might be. I think Lamar Jackson is going to see the field. I don't know that he'll start. Baker might start before Lamar Jackson does. That could be true. But <coughs> I, Lamar Jackson is going to see the field week one, I think. Yeah, I think he'll play just, just in, in like different a, packages and stuff. Yep. Yeah. I think Allen probably starts week one. I think Darnold starts week one. Rosen will start at some point this year. Rosen's Baker, a weird one. I don't Baker know what's may going not. On. Yeah. I think Baker will start by the end of the year. How many games do you think Baker starts in this season? Probably five because because I think we're with five games left, we'll probably be pretty close to mathematically out of playoff contention. We'll, we'll have had a, a much better year than the year before. Yeah, I think it's but, less than eight but games for Baker. I don't really think we're making the playoffs. We could. But I don't think yeah. so. I think it's less than eight games, unless Tyrod gets hurt for some reason. Right. And then we go to Baker, and that's your future, and you just roll with it. Yep. 
Like I'm not I'm not hoping Drew Stanton gets gets any snaps this year. That's for There's sure. No point to that. That's for sure. So, all right, another week down. What are we looking forward to next week? Who who are we playing? Oh, it's the, the Eagles. Eagles. The It'll Eagles. be interesting. The Eagles. That will be interesting. Um, no Carson Wentz. They're going to hold him out until the season opener. Nick Foles might not even play because he hurt his shoulder. A whole lot of Nate Sudfeld. Yeah. Miles Garrett, meet Nate Sudfeld. Yeah. Well, what's what's great is this is the third preseason game where where you get usually get at least a full half. This will be fun, actually, to see our first-team defense playing against them. For a full half. It is a little bit of a bummer that it's probably not going to be Nick Foles because that would be like – a good a, test. A better test. Yeah. We're going to just like I feel like it's going to be Sudfeld. handicapped a little yeah. bit. With and we're going to be all excited about how our defense looks, and it won't be a, a, a fair test. Here's what, I've, what we haven't done in the preseason at all that's bothering me, and we didn't see it at all last season either. We've not generated any turnovers. We don't. We don't generate turnovers. It's, it's not something the Browns do. Remember it's, last year? And the ball bounces the wrong way when it hits the ground too. We never recover fumbles. We're quite unlucky in that in that. We area. set an NFL record last year for the worst fumble recovery rate in NFL history, which is really just so- quite something. Uh, that's how you go in sixteen. There's it's be quite it'd be quite difficult for us to do that again. So that's another what, reason go for us to improve. Or have the worst have the worst fumble rate, fumble in, NFL rate in NFL history. Yeah, that's statistically improbable. Quite, because it's just random. It's just randomness, and that's just proof of how just how like unfortunate last season was. But the turnover thing is something that I have noticed, but I haven't heard anybody talking about. Like we haven't forced any in the games. Like there was some narrative around that last season that we weren't doing a good job taking the ball away, but I haven't seen it at all. I mean, to be fair. It's hard to force turnovers when you're forcing teams into three and outs, and like early in the draft, like you're getting punts instead of interception yeah. opportunities. Um, so I mean, there's there's a little bit of just a, a sample size issue, but but I agree with you. We we need our defense to step up and create more turnovers, especially when you're freaking Greg Williams as your defensive coordinator and you're blitzing like seventy percent of the time. You better be creating turnovers because you're probably not getting a lot of three and outs. You're going to get beat if yep. you're blitzing that much. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's all I got. Let's wrap this up. All righty. Mark normally does this. Do yeah. You know what, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what do we say here? Something about thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Cine- at at CineofOurFathers. Cine Send us emails. At CineofOurFathers at gmail.com. Yeah. We'd, l- we'd love to hear what your whatever's on your mind, I guess. I don't know. What does he normally say here? Normally, thanks to our Tokyo listeners. We always appreciate you. I'm still not sure who those are. And we'll talk to you next week. That sounds like that's about all we got. All right, Cass. All right. We made it happen without without our normal host. Go Browns. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.